Welcome to CGF Minis Off-Season Episode 2. I'm your host, Dwight Keener. And I'm co-host Jacob Park. Jacob, big week for the state of Missouri. They're celebrating north of you and west of you a little bit. What's the vibe in St. Louis? Uh, to be honest, haven't not that I go many places, but I haven't seen much or heard much <laughs> since the game uh, about it, other than seeing you know people commenting on Facebook articles and stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, can't escape that uh how uh how is your super bowl viewing experience you mentioned that you were cheering for the eagles but uh quite a game you have to admit yeah it was great i mean probably in order what i cared about most was it being a close game high scoring game and then you know that the eagles win so i got two of those three i care cared far more than to be entertaining and a good game for the end than i did who won really so um yeah. enjoyed it watched it my parents with uh Nolan and his fiance Liza came over and then Anna, of course, and my grandparents. We had a little get together, but it was fun. Yeah, you mentioned uh your pleasant uh <laughs> your your family's pleasant response to Rihanna's halftime show too, that it was a nice family friendly performance. <laughs> yeah. No Jennifer Lopez and Shakira reactions or uh, yep. nothing too scandalous. So that's that's good. Uh yeah, I, man, what a Super Bowl. I uh we've we've had two in my mind kind of stinkers and that's kind of mean to the Bengals Rams Super Bowl last year, uh, but I was at a we were at brunch on Saturday and they had a TV that was replaying last year's Super Bowl on it, and I was reminded of how much of that game was just like three and out like the the whole third quarter or everything I was seeing and in the early fourth quarter there was very little offense. Um, the Bengals offensive line just couldn't hold up. So, I mean, it was it was a close game, which is always exciting, but really not that fun of a game. And um, that was the, a novelty yeah. just to have the Bengals in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. The whole time. No, you're all right. That did. Which I don't, I don't see them that way anymore, but last year, right. especially, it was like, it was awesome that they were. For sure. Pick them beginning For sure. Of the it would have been kind of like the Jaguars, I feel like, making it this year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm glad that we got another exciting one, kind of like the Eagles Patriots of uh, of a few years back. I guess we need the Eagles in the Super Bowl more. They they crank out exciting games. So, well, we're here to feature the popular ballers this week, and so uh, no guest other than Jake himself uh, serving as both host and guest. But uh, I'll start with a similar line of questioning that I did with Colton last week. You were involved in the designing of the popular ballers logo, of course, and it's a a logo of personal importance or personal connection to you too because of your Eureka High School alumnus status. Uh, what do you think of the the popular ballers look? You know, you obviously um, took over, and so that style was given to you. But but what are your honest opinions of of the black and purple? I really like it. Purple is my favorite color, personally. Um... The logo grew on me with time. I don't think I could see the primary ever changing now, especially. But uh, originally, when Aaron was just kept saying he wanted like a varsity feel, uh, I kept thinking of the the Ball Brothers and their brand. That was kind of the inspiration <laughs> uh, for combining the letters the way I can't remember. I'm going to have to Google to even remember what theirs looked like. But it was similar color scheme. In fact, every time I saw that logo, it was in gold and it was just... Well, I guess now looking at it, it's three B's kind of all combined together with a three worked in there, but yeah, 
I, I love the big baller brand served as inspiration <laughs> for you here. Uh, I can see it looking at it. I, it was, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. A popular ballers itself. Like that's such an abstract thing to try and design around that. I feel like we need a symbol more maybe than like a, you know, a mascot or character. And yeah. then I think that was the only thing I sent there and he was cool with it right away. I, it was, he was the very first team too. So, um, he didn't really have much to go off. I don't think either of us really knew we were going to end up doing it for all 10 teams or just kind of some, something I messaged him. was like, Hey, let me make your jerseys. And so we, <laughs> we started that way. And then, um, yeah, color wise, I, we started with purple and black, I think for Greek high schools, purple and gold. So we kind of got it from that. But then there were several points where Aaron was getting freaked out that it like looked too much like the Vikings. Cause originally I think we had a purple helmet and stuff, but it's weird. He would just latch onto things like that because I mean, we ended up looking way more like the Ravens. You're going to look right. like somebody no matter what. Um, so we played with a little bit, getting away from that. And then um, after year one, that's when he had he wanted to change his colors. Because originally it was more almost like a indigo purple and like a real almost nasty brown looking gold. Looking back, I was just <laughs> going back to the file, which I think happened because the screen I designed them on originally had different coloring or something. Because I didn't realize it until I looked on something else. Like, oh, that's what he meant. Like, see. He yeah. said it was uh, something other people had mentioned too that they, they should change. So probably the right move in the end to, to update the colors a little bit. I had forgotten about that. So the the jerseys that the popular ballers wore year one had darker or lighter purple and darker gold is what you're saying. Well, really it was, it was maybe a little, even a little darker purple. It had a little bit more blue mixed in. I can show you. I'll send you this real quick on uh, Zoom just so you can see what I'm yeah, and uh, well, we can post this on uh, the Discord chat for our listeners. Uh, but yeah, it, the I think of the popular ballers as being Ravens uh, adjacent more than the mm -hmm. Vikings. And even from the onset, it's uh, just that purple and, uh, and black combination. You really don't see it in, and maybe I'm appearing like a fool here, but I don't feel like you see it often in pro sports. Um, Outside yeah, there's, of like, there's like one team per league normally, and then even then I'm, I'm thinking of uh, LA Kings and hockey, although they've since dropped purple, so it's kind of, there isn't a single purple NHL team right now, at least primarily. Sometimes Arizona plays with it. Uh, and then baseball, the Rockies, but... That's true. Yeah, the Rockies rely on a lot of white. Um, and uh, the... They, the uh, yeah, they lean more heavily maybe into black and then Purple's more up the secondary, I guess. And yeah. White, yeah, like you said. Yeah, in basketball, I guess the Lakers would be the the closest, but it's a more of a pure yellow, and they don't feature black except on alternates. So, yeah, Sacramento's still. Purple. Oh yeah, they're black and purple. Yeah, just without the gold or the yellow. You're right. Yeah, it's definitely a rare one. I mean, there might be one or two teams for league. When you talk about red or blue teams, there's probably ten to fifteen in every yeah. league. So, underused yeah. color. And a fun one to to kickstart the design process. Uh, it is interesting to know that you weren't planning on doing all ten teams at the onset. You're just kind of having fun and screwing around. And uh, I am very grateful for what what it turned into a much bigger project than originally started. Uh, well, you've uh, you've been in the league for three years, but this was your first year as a general manager, as a uh, a man who had to coach who had to make lineup decisions who had to make add drop decisions and uh 
for many of us, we talked about some last week with Colton. This was our first experience with Dynasty. Do you feel like having the first couple of years to observe a Dynasty from afar helped prepare you for the actual managerial decisions you made this year? Yeah, I think to a degree. Um, just watching trades come through and tr trying to learn the value uh, of what, you know, each pick has and also to a degree, even, you know, just from getting assistance from uh, my, my pro scout, Lucky McCormick uh, and just seeing him be kind of baffled by some of the, the trades and the values, like for instance, what QBs are valued at in our league. Um, it's almost like each league has takes on like a uh, economy of its own because at least in his opinion, like in our league, we trade way more for QBs. Like we give up way more for them. It's like such a valued asset, probably because you're hoarding them all, but you and, uh, and Spicer, but uh, well, you got all the good ones. Maybe you don't have that many, but you have <laughs> all the superstars. Um, so watching that helped me um, in, or maybe it didn't, I don't know. I've definitely, in my first year, was a con pretty conservative GM as far as uh, trading, not doing much, you know, making any big splashes or anything like that. So if anything, it scared me into being more conservative and not, um, you know, trading away the franchise too quick for one season, so. And it was a pretty conservative year across the league. We talked about that, that there's just weren't as many moves. It seems like teams were pretty content to let their roster play out. And in fairness, we had a lot of off-season activity, mostly inspired by Hunter's big moves to push his chips in. But uh, I guess more generally, was when are you in other fantasy football leagues? Or if not, when was the last time you played fantasy before this year? No, not in any others. Uh, last time I played would have been with you guys, I guess the year before the dynasty started. That's kind of why I decided to drop out because I didn't really want to fully commit to, you know, having to study incoming draft picks. And at the time I was more involved in fantasy hockey. Uh, I didn't really like having to, once, you know, uh, each season got going at the same time, it was becoming a bit much for me to juggle. Um, so yeah, I did, just kind of wanted out and just wanted to be kind of part of the league want to be part of the league but not necessarily playing it because i also like kind of just being the league's only fan you know <laughs> just being able to uh tweet takes or attack whatever team i wanted or support whatever team i wanted and not have you know a dog in the fight so it's just kind of fun to watch and and be a part of yeah um, the the team that replaced i believe was rob is that right i think I so yeah well I, I think the last year i played Taylor Hare might have had a team too. So there must have been. So maybe we ran with 12. That might first have her, year. Or Katie might not have been in it um, the last year I did it. Oh, sure. that might be it. Katie might have replaced you. Yeah. Might have been Katie and Rob. I think that's oh, it. Oh, no, yeah. Colton. It was Katie and Colton. Rob was in it, I think. Okay. Finally. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Very cool. Sorry for the confusion uh, for those who are <laughs> screaming on the pod about who was in there and who wasn't. But... And if we're still wrong, we definitely yeah. call it as Colt might have been in it. I think that's the kid. I'm not sure. I Some combination. Remember. Some combination. Uh, had, has it changed the way you experience watching football on Sundays being a general manager of a, of a team? I imagine that you are always a fan of the popular ballers first and foremost. But does it add a little bit more skin in the game? Did you feel that Sunday pit in your stomach watching your players take the field those first few weeks? Yeah, it's definitely like when uh, your guys scoring a touchdown or something like that, like, the, I don't know, the enjoyment was doubled with it actually being my team and not just, you know, being a fan of them. So I did enjoy, enjoy that aspect of it. And since I kind of 
came into the season, you know, coming off of, I think we had 10th last year. So not very high expectations. I didn't feel that much pressure. So um, just kind of trying to take this year as a, a learning curve and, you know, trying to figure out how the league works and get to know my roster better as far as who's worth what and who can play, who wants to play for the popular ballers. You know, <laughs> part of our future. Uh, well, um, I guess speaking of maybe we can we can talk about the roster composition and uh, and who you have. You showed again a willingness to trade midseason. You mentioned Cooper Cup was on the trading block, and you were unable to find a deal that worked for your team at that time. But um, how do you? I mean, what is it like being the general manager of Aaron's team here in year three? Do you feel a particular like connection to the roster as it is to the players as it is? especially like a player like, you know, Kyle Pitts or uh, Bob and Dobbins, some of Aaron's favorites. Um, I imagine that it's a kind of weird relationship with making changes to the roster. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say I was almost paralyzed by it at first, really, because um, that was when I had my friend Lucky take a look at my roster. One of the first things he said was, like, he doesn't think it'd be a long shot to even make playoffs this year. He didn't think we could really compete. And he said, Cooper Cup, you know, is probably at, peak value we should trade him right away and uh especially at the beginning like it and cup being one of aaron's favorites and one i've just one of the few guys i probably knew before i got the team myself uh on my roster it was definitely felt a connection and like a nostalgic value that was uh placed on really the whole team at first um yeah, yeah i would say it definitely influenced me probably wore off a little bit as time went on i started to pick up some of my own you know waiver wire uh, guys and hopefully moving forward uh, we'll be able to play it I guess more straight um, yeah. yeah yeah and uh, it's the nature too of dynasty and football as you realize how quickly players rise and fall and um, how fickle the sport is that the rosters have that that churn naturally hopefully we see the big breakout from Kyle Pitts here here this um this upcoming season in his third year as for the project on the field you made reference to it it's been rough to watch for popular ballers fans so all time standings 11 and 44 through three years it's uh, comfortably 10th out of 10th seven wins shy of colton and um the uh, popular or uh, excuse me the the um, rocky mountain moose franchise if you add their record with the previous iteration of the franchise, the Flamin' Hot Cheetahs. Um, it's a roster, though, that, I mean, you you mentioned Cooper Cup uh, last year, not the year that we just completed, but I guess a year and a half ago now. Um, Christian McCaffrey was traded off of the roster, widely thought one of the best running backs in, in football. Um, your quarterback room is led by uh, Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson with Derek Carr of veteran who's had a nailed starting position for several years now um what do you what do you make of the team as it is is it reasonable to expect to compete this year you've got three of the first 11 draft picks i know that's got to be exciting for you but what are your your realistic plans for the popular ballers and their timeline for competing yeah my goal is playoffs this year uh for sure um not saying that we're going to be like a dominant factor if we get there uh or that I think necessarily a championship is super realistic at this point, but you know, if you get in, you never know. Um, so that will be the goal this year. Um, secondary goal is no tanking this season. 
um, I don't think I did last year till we were mathematically eliminated, but, um, you know, barring like significant injuries to several key players, I don't even want to do that this year if I can help it. I want to see how many wins we get in a season where we're not tanking for any of it. Um, I think I was only one went away from setting a record doing that this year. <laughs> uh, with what do we have? Three wins, four wins. I don't know off the top of my head, but it would have been one of those. Pulled them up, yeah. But it, it tied. We tied the record this year. I'm pretty sure. For okay, so you would have season. had four wins then, because eleven wins through three seasons, so three wins one year and four the other two. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. So, uh, I want to set the record this this year, and you know the fans have stuck with us through some some barren times here, so we want to at least uh, give it all and see what we can do. And you. Transitioning into off-season mode, we mentioned three of the first 11 draft picks you pick at 101, 110, and 201. Uh, how, what's your mindset here heading into the off-season? You brought it up on the podcast with Colton. You, you've been meeting with your advisors. You've been talking to your front office staff, and uh, you have a name currently at the top of your big board. But how do you feel about the off-season? Are you excited about the draft? Does it bring anxieties about picking the right player? <laughs> What's your attitude heading into this? A bit of both. I think uh, I'm pretty excited for the first draft where I'll be, you know, paying a ton of attention to. Uh, however, this was a part when I didn't want to play fancy football, really, because it was partially because it was switching to Dynasty. This is kind of what I was dreading the most because I feel like this is the hardest part and, uh, you know, the part that the results can affect the outcome of how their team's going to do for, you know, years to come. So, um that being said, I at least have a lot of chances this year to, to get something right. I have a lot of picks to work with. Um, most of strategy, I feel like, is going to come at the end of round one and the first pick in round two because um, those players, you know, I think are still have a chance to be pretty useful. And it's not something like my 1-1, one, one, which I think is kind of a given. Um, so we'll be working a lot with uh, our head scout probably coming up on to the draft um, to see how we want to play that. But while that plan's still being formulated, I, I don't really want to discuss the later picks any further sure. than that. The nice thing is with three locked-in starters, again, Derek Carr is going to be starting somewhere than, than Las Vegas, but he seems certain to be a, a locked-in starter. Uh, you have some flexibility with those picks and the, the, um, the future that you build for the popular ballers in the years to come. But yeah, you mentioned it. We saw how quick of a turnaround one good draft can have on a franchise with the Marley Magic this year with Christian Watson and Kenneth Walker um, becoming two of the league's elite superstars in their first year. So, uh, well, a similar really position that the the Magic were in. They got Walker at 102 and Christian Watson there, I believe, at 202. So very similar picks to what, to what, what you'll have here. Uh, well, is there uh, any other activity you're hoping for in the offseason? Your, your team is a bit heavy on running backs. Uh, a lot of young superstar running backs. I'm not saying you have to trade any of them away, but um, you know, you looking to restructure the roster a little bit. You want to field any trade um, proposals from this podcast? Uh, if anybody wants to send something, you're welcome to, and we'll we'll at least give it a thought. But right now, our main focus is just getting on everybody injured, healthy, and ready to go for next year. Um, like. Like you said, lots of running backs, but most of them had significant injuries this past season. So um, just trying to get those guys healthy and ready to go. And then with some new additions coming in the draft, uh, hopefully be ready to compete uh, come this fall. 
Yeah, I think you bring up a good point that injuries are part of football, as we all know, and so there's no harm in having a stable of running backs so that if one does go down, the team won't like behind too much. We also saw this year, J.K. Dobbins um, took a very long time to recover from his injury. Like It seemed like he was going to be good, and then he went back on the IR just from still, still dealing with the injury. So hopefully Brees Hall has a quicker recovery, or Javante Williams has a quicker recovery, but I guess you can't count on them being ready from week one and starting from the onset. Yeah, you had um, pretty unlucky Pretty unlucky injuries this year. Uh, you care to address the uh, having Deshaun Watson on your team, or are we just gonna ignore that and uh, just use him? I mean, somebody's gonna own him, I guess, in a league like this when there uh, is such a premium on the quarterback position. And in fairness, the popular ballers acquired him before any of his sexual criminal activity was aware was known. Yeah, and beggars can't be choosers at this point. Slim pickings, so we're kind of stuck with him. Yeah, Fun. and that's it. It's a good way to kind of wrap up our discussion, or at least the last question I have prepared for you. Uh, you've been a bit of a shitster in your one year running <laughs> the show in popular baller land, um, antagonizing Rob for not trading you Cooper Rush. Uh, you've come at Colton for years now for his tanking. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's some other picks, some other fights that you've picked. Like you got mad at Brady maybe one time this year or threw some. Um, yeah, that's true. Some yeah, words we- his way. So we had some uh, disagreements over some, <laughs> some trade talks and um yeah. then he yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Uh how, how do you feel about your relationships with other teams in the league or the role of the popular ballers in the league? Is that the duty of the popular ballers GM to be a brash, cocky son of a gun? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, uh some teams we do have trouble with and others we get along with very well. You know, there's an elite <laughs> top tier of of teams in the league that we're very close with that we even have you know hidden chat rooms perhaps where we discuss exclusive trade deals offers news leak gossip um so you know if you treat us right we'll treat you right and you'll get access to all kinds of information that you wouldn't have otherwise so um, <laughs> you, you even um i think this was in a disagreement with, with brady that we mentioned you had a tier list of other teams. Is that an honest list that's upkept, or is that something that was just used for humor? No, that's very real. <laughs> we only knew uh, we'll have to get Adam Schefter fake on the case to see if he can get a, a leak from the popular ballers front office, but I'm sure that's under lock and key. And the beauty of it is the chat room's even anonymous, so even the other top-tier teams don't know who else is in there. So that's how you know you know, the discussions there are true, honest discussions because nobody's worried about hurting anybody's feelings. Nobody knows who anybody is. But I guess yeah, it could be leaked. That's the the downside. You've got to protect your own identity in, in those chat rooms. Very well, true. Jake, uh, any any final comments you wanted to say? Or You mentioned you didn't have any analytics or any, anything. It's hard to really slice the data in any way that makes the popular ballers through your history look like anything other than die. Yeah, one funny fact I, I looked at in the database. Uh, we haven't even beaten half the league yet. There's five teams they've never won against, which is insane. We've only beaten four teams <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, I mean, that's an astonishing, let's see, 0-15, 0-21, 0-24 against five teams in the league, wow. including uh, most of the big dogs. The good news. Yeah, so we got our work cut out for us. 
Yeah, the good news is that the I haven't looked at the historical data, but I know that the sixth seed is typically right around 500. And so uh, it's possible that even if you can't make the the big jump this year and start beating those big teams, there is still that path to, to competition. Well, we look forward to seeing the popular ballers in the playoff bracket in 2023. Uh, last week, Colton Hine threatened an uprising and I imagine that if the, the pit kings are leading the charge, they're doing it with the popular ballers co-leading. And so I'm excited to see what tumult 2023 brings. Thanks for uh, the look at the popular ballers. Yeah, thank you. And we will see you all next week with an interview with Touchdownton Abbey General Manager, Rob Griffiths. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Hey, everyone. It's Jacob again. I was talking with Wyatt after we finished recording about how I wish that I had maybe acknowledged the circumstances with which I inherited the popular ballers uh, with Aaron's passing. Um, managing the, his team and, uh, you know, kind of inheriting his gear and and just this league and as a whole has meant a great deal to me and been a tangible way to, you know, interact with something that he loved very much and that we shared together while he was still with us. I um, hope it's been that way for, for everyone else. I know every we all love him and miss him very much. And just didn't want to see my career glossing over uh, the great loss of, of losing Aaron, uh, especially in the popular ballers episode. So um, sorry for leaving the sad strike at the end of the, the episode, but just wanted that uh, to be said. So uh, thanks again for listening, and we will see you guys next week.